Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing else can satisfy God. Nothing else can truly give us what our heart truly needs. We thank you, God, and pray that you would be the one we want most, the one we want more. God, and that all our other desires would fall by the wayside, Lord God, because it's only in you that we find uh, fulfillment. It's only within you that we find life and purpose and peace and joy. That's your desire for each and every one of your children, God, that they walk in those things. Today, God, I pray that we would be able to receive those things by making you our greatest desire. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you ever heard that saying, the heart wants what the heart wants? But you know, the Bible says that the heart of man is deceitful. Sometimes our heart wants what it thinks it wants. But Jesus is what it needs. And only he can satisfy. And that's why we gather together today. Because we need him. We need him for everything. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. He said, abide in me or stay connected to me and you will bear much fruit. But he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Some of you in here today, maybe you feel like you're that branch that's been cut off and you feel like you're withering and dying. I wanna tell you today that he wants to graft you back in again and he wants to fill you with life. He wants your life to to bear fruit, to have something to show for it that really matters, something that's eternal. And if you're willing, he has that for you today. If you believe that, say amen. Go ahead and give somebody a a high five or a hug and you can be seated. Thank you, worship team. Can we make some noise for our worship team? Just express our gratitude uh, to them. I love these guys phenomenal, Um, not only for their giftings and talents, but for their heart. Amen. We are blessed here at Fountain of Life. I spent a bunch of time bragging on everybody last week, so I won't go all into that again. But uh, and let's give it up to my two helpers that brought my illustration up on stage here. How many of you like illustrations? Yeah, I think we all do. Right. Actually, I'm going to pull it over here for now. Right. Because we're going to want it front and center in a minute. Okay, so before we get started, I just want to again one more time uh, just thank you so much for joining us today. If you are here for the first time, please take some time to fill out that Connect card. I promise we won't spam you, uh, but we would just love to have the opportunity to get to know you. So fill out one of those Connect cards. Also, you should have received um, some notes, a handout on your way um, in this morning. Um, And if you did not receive one of those, can you raise your hand real quick so our ushers can get you one? Okay, we got... Uh, one uh, down in the front table that's needed here, one over here at the young person table, right, Esther? <laughs> so one here and one here. Ushers are going to help us out with that. Thank you so much. The reason why we have these is uh, for those of you that are new or you're not aware of this, um, this is more than just notes. It's not fill in the blank notes, but what it is is it gives you some space to jot down some things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you because he's going to. Even if you're not a believer and you're in the room today, I'm telling you that you're going to hear something. There's going to be an idea that pops up in your head and you're going to say, wow, that's truth. And you're going to want to jot that down. 
And the questions there are designed so that you can take this packet home and you can go through those questions. You can look at the scriptures for yourself and write down your thoughts. And then our life groups that meet during the week um, use those to lead their discussion and they, go, they dive deeper into the scriptures and into the application of it, meaning, what does this mean for me? Now, what am I supposed to do with this knowledge that I have? And it's an incredible thing. So please follow along and participate that way. It's for your benefit. Okay, so today we're starting a new series entitled Mind Wars. Okay, how many of you have have ever felt like um, there's a war going on in your mind? Right? And how many of you know that when that happens, it's hard to have peace? Right. Sometimes you have those conflicting thoughts. Everybody, anybody ever struggle with indecisiveness? That's a big thing with me, right? I'm like, I can decide something and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's definitely what I want. And then somebody says something, I'm like, oh, wait a second. Maybe that's not what I want, right? So that's kind of a battle tug of war that goes on. Um, how many of you um, have, have trouble worrying about things that may never happen? All right. See, confession's good for the soul. Um, how many of you guys struggle sometimes with insecurity and you see people whispering and you assume it's about you? Okay, right? These are all battles that take place primarily in the mind. And it's important that we understand that, right? Because, because if we don't understand that, what if I do see people whispering and I assume it's about me and instead of taking the battle to the mind, I go confront those people, and they're, in fact, just talking about what they had for breakfast this morning. Uh, but you're all infinite. You turn it into a confrontation. And so what happens is we take the battle uh, uh, to the wrong place. And so we've lost before the battle even begins because the battle started in our mind. And unfortunately, I think what happens with many Christians today, even those of us that have been following Christ sometimes for decades We are stuck in the mentality that thoughts are something that just happened to us. And so we're at the mercy of those thoughts and the emotions that accompany those thoughts. And so we don't realize that there's a real enemy who is attacking us, wreaking havoc on our minds. And so we don't engage in the battle. And so instead, we let these things happen to us, and we're just praying that God would take these thoughts away. Um, but in reality, you have the ability to take charge over your thoughts. So to demonstrate that, I need a volunteer this morning. Let's see here. Ooh, Andres. Get up here, Andres. Let's give it up for Andres. Andres is awesome. This kid went with us to kids camp this past year, and now he's old enough to go to youth. So he just started youth. Is there any fountain youth in the house? Okay, awesome. So Andres is a cool kid. And um, would you consider yourself a brave kid? Okay, that's good, because you're going to need some bravery for this. Now, don't look in the hole. That's cheating. Okay, Andres is going to put this blindfold on first, okay? Can you do that? All right. So, so this morning, Andres, um, my daughter and I, we drove in and the sun was just barely rising because we get here really early. And we looked in the dirt field and you know what we saw? Some coyotes. Yeah, yeah. So um, you got to bl- keep that on. You got to keep that on. I want your imagination to run wild right now, okay? And so like, I, Aubrey and Aubrey, we really saw the coyotes, didn't we? And she's like, she's like, 
dad, don't go over there. I'm like barking at them. I'm like, burf, burf. And sure enough, they're like coming around the corner to like see what I'm doing. And I'm like, are they going to come over here? You know? Then I started whistling. And so, so I went over there, Andres, and um, they had a, 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 a young coyote with them. And so, believe it or not, I scared them off and they left the young coyote behind. Yeah, so I have him here in this box. And um, I'm surprised he's been so quiet. This is crazy, right? Um, but uh, I think he's just scared. So I think if you're really careful, you could reach into, there's a hole in the box here. You could reach into it and if you're gentle, you could touch him. Just don't be too aggressive because I'm afraid he might get scared and bite you. All right, so are you willing to do that? Okay, go ahead, stick your hand in this hole. There's a hole right here. Do you see that hole? All right. Careful, careful, careful. Did you touch him? What does it feel like? Fur? Okay. All right, you guys ready to see the baby coyote? Isn't he cute? Yeah. Here, do you want to pet him? Well, you got to pet him first. <laughs> oh, man, he almost got you. He almost got you. All right, let's give it up for Andres. Thank you so much. <laughs> there he is. That's the baby coyote. All right, Andres, did you believe any of that? Not really. Not really? See, I'm not a very good liar. You can go ahead and be seated. So I'll tell you, I think there was enough doubt in Andres where he was like, Surely, Pastor Joe did not actually capture a baby coyote. And would he really ask me to stick my hand in this box if it was possible that it would bite me? But did you notice he felt a little uneasy? He was a little nervous about that. He was skeptical. He's like, okay, like what's going to happen here? Uh, I think at any moment he was probably expecting me to try and scare them. And so in reality, under that box, there was no threat to him whatsoever, right? But what that demonstrates is that a lie believed as truth has the same effect as truth on your life. If you believe the lie is true, then it has the same effect as if it were true. So here's what happens. Oftentimes, we create a prison within our own mind. And so he could have reached in totally without any hesitation, without any fear, and wouldn't have been harmed. But just the little sliver of doubt caused him to be hesitant and nervous about it. And we've recently talked a little bit about the war that takes place in our mind. Uh, remember the mathematical equation, A does not equal C. In other words, um, my thoughts do not equal my feelings or what happened, my circumstances do not equal my feelings. And, but in fact, A plus B equals C, which is my circumstances plus what I believe those circumstances say about me or God equals how I feel. And this is the most important battle because if you lose this battle up here, then you walk into every other battle already defeated. And so we spent this time um, in reset dealing with a lot of these things, uh, strongholds, um, wrong ways of thinking that keep us locked up in prisons. And what I'd like to do over the next month 
is not only give you tools to help you break free from a specific stronghold or wrong thinking pattern or system of belief, but to also give you tools that you can practice on a regular basis to keep you walking in the freedom that God wants you to have. Craig Rochelle, in his book, um, Winning the War in Your Mind, says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Think about that. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So the things that you believe the most, sometimes the things that you fear the most, are the ones that are going to pull you in a certain direction, whether good or bad. And like I said before, can sometimes keep you locked in a prison. So how many of you have ever heard of the famous uh, escape artist and magician uh, Houdini? So Houdini uh, made kind of a, a name for himself, and one of the things that he would do is he would travel to a town, and he would invite law enforcement to lock him up in a jail cell, and he would break himself out. And so he would, he would travel around, and he would do this everywhere, where there was this sheriff, and uh, he heard that Houdini was coming, and so he's like, I'm going to pull one over on this guy. And so Houdini gets in the cell, he closes the, the door behind him, and um, he puts the key in. And instead of turning it to lock it, he turns it the wrong direction. And so what ends up happening is Houdini, in an effort to pick the lock, actually locked himself in. And so uh, the, the, just, oh, he kept repeating this process over and over again. He kept locking himself in until finally he admitted he could not escape this prison. And then that, at that moment, the sheriff revealed his deception. And so Houdini, one of the most greatest escape artists of all time, uh, locked himself in. And because he believed a lie, the lie held him captive. See, it wasn't the jail cell that held him captive. It was the lie that held him captive. In all reality, he could have just pushed that door open. It would have made for a really boring act, but he was trapped by a lie. So I want us to take some time before we dive deeper into the scriptures today to discuss at our tables what thoughts might you have today that may be keeping you in a prison in your own mind. What wrong system of beliefs or, or thinking patterns do you have that could be keeping you locked in a prison in your mind and how can changing the way you think free you from that prison? So let's go ahead and discuss. Well, I, I got a, a comment that maybe I came out hitting you guys where it hurts too soon. Sorry. <laughs> Sometimes that's my style, you know. I just want to get straight to the, the good stuff. You know, sometimes God's word is a little bitter going down, right? But it's the medicine that we need. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today, changing the way we think. And so over the next few weeks, I want to give you principles that you can use to not just break free, but stay free. Disciplines to keep you walking in freedom. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about a three-step process to opening the door to the prison in your mind. Father, open up our hearts to your word today. I pray, Father, that you would just give us understanding, God, by your Holy Spirit. And God, that um, your words would penetrate our heart, bring transformation to our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you turn with me quickly to Philippians chapter 4. This is one of those really famous passages in Philippians chapter 4. Um, part of it um, is maybe on a sticker or a bumper sticker. Um, and sometimes uh, we take just a little snippet of scriptures like that and we miss the fact that if you look at it in context, there's so much more. And so Ephesians chapter, or I keep saying Ephesians, we were in Ephesians for six weeks. Um, Philippians chapter four, starting in verse four, we're going to read through verse nine, okay? It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. How many of you feel like you're full of joy in the Lord all the time? Okay, so a lot of us still have some, some work to do. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Uh, remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. How many of you are breaking that command right now? Come on, let's be real. <laughs> All right, it's okay, there's help. There's help coming. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't you love how those two statements contrast and uh, they're so powerful? And so don't worry about what? Anything. But pray about what? What should I pray about? Everything. Imagine if we live that way. It says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. When's the last time we told the Lord thank you for all he's done? Then uh, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, fix your thoughts, man. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. I love this because so often we go back to the scriptures and we read things like this that sound very practical. And we're like, that sounds really familiar. I learned that in a psychology class. I learned that, you know, from a professor at a secular university. And what's amazing about that is a lot of these practical principles uh, that we are taught in the education system were first written of in the scriptures thousands of years ago. And here's what's incredible. God's principles and God's wisdom is so powerful that there's a level of effectiveness to it even outside of a relationship with Jesus. Hear me. 
there's, there's, there's a level of effectiveness to where like a non-believer could apply some of these principles to their lives and experience some form of success. But it's not as potent. It's kind of like saying, okay, like this is a Pop-Tart, brand Pop-Tarts, right? And this is like the whatever, whatever like Safeway brand Pop-Tarts, right? It still sort of tastes like a Pop-Tart, but it just doesn't compare. It's just, it's just not as good. And Pop-Tarts is one of those things you can't get the off-brand, right? It just doesn't work. And so that's what happens. And so it's, you hear a message like this, and, and it sounds like that Saturday Night Live sketch where he's like, look at yourself in the mirror and say, you are smart, you are good-looking, and doggone it, people like you. But what you're about to hear today is so much more than that. Because that, that actually works, honestly, if done with consistency. Because what happens is you're training your brain to think a different way. And, and some of that will end up getting through. But here's the problem. What will always limit that is there, there's always this, this doubt that says, okay, I'm just lying to myself. I'm convincing myself. Have you ever met somebody that they can't receive a compliment? Like, oh, you look beautiful today. Oh, no, I don't. You know, I need to lose 20 pounds. You know, this dress makes me look fat. You know, whatever it is. They just can't receive a compliment. Right, because they, think, they, they appreciate you. They think you're being kind to them, but they don't think you're being truthful. And so what's amazing about God's word is when you come to the point where you believe as the faith statement we always say, right, right this is my Bible, it is God's word. If I believe it and live it, I will become everything it says that I am. Because when you've come to the conclusion that this is the ultimate, absolute truth, then regardless of what you see when you look in the mirror, it is canceled out by whatever this book says. And so uh, that's the way we're going to tackle this. That's what's going to be so transformational when we get to the practicals and the applicational um, um, practices and things like that of God's word is that it's so powerful because it's God's word. Not only is it practical, not only does it make sense, not only does it work, but when you combine it with faith and complete trust, it's gonna transform the way you think. And so Paul opens up by giving us a standard of behavior and attitude. He's saying that we should be full of joy and peace, right? So that's, that's what people should expect to see from followers of Christ, that our lives should be marked by our joy and our, and our kindness or our consideration towards other people. It's not always like that, is it? And when it's not, it's because there's a battle that is being lost in the mind of that believer. He doesn't just give us that command, though. He offers us a process to move us out of our prison. And as you read through this passage, we see kind of this three-step process. There's thought, right? That's where it starts. He says, think these things. And then there's action. He says, the things that I've taught, put them into practice. So that's the next level, right? I'm going to say the right things. I'm going to think the right things. But then I have to do the right things. And this leads to, number three, the resulting experience. And those aren't in your notes. So if you want to write those down again, it's number one is thought. Number two is action. And number three is the resulting experience, which is God's peace will be with you. God's peace will guard your heart um, and your mind. So he says, don't worry. 
about anything. In order to not worry, we have to identify our worried thoughts. And so number one is think about what you are thinking about. We're all thinking. Thoughts are flying in and out, right? Some are coming right out of our mouth. Uh, some of our thoughts are being realized as we're speaking them, and then it's too late to take it back, right? Some people are pointing at themselves. That's good. Um, it, but we have, to, we have to identify these thoughts. And so don't just think thoughts, but think about what you're thinking about. Think about why you're thinking about it. Think about, is this true? Am I believing a lie? Uh, something that's been fed to me? Is this based on my past experiences? Or is this the truth? Uh, have you ever heard somebody say, I'm not worried, I'm just concerned? Sometimes um, we, that's just a way to excuse our worrying. Like, I know I'm not supposed to worry because I'm a Christian. I got faith. I got the peace of God. I'm not worried. I'm just concerned. But what are the symptoms? If you're trying to diagnose a sickness, like, is this, is this a, a common cold or is it COVID-19, right? <laughs> you, you, uh, I shouldn't have said COVID-19 in church. I'm sorry. Um, you look at the symptoms, and if the symptoms match up, that's what's going on. And so, so if, um, if this concern of yours causes your heartbeat to race, it's worry. If this concern of yours keeps you up at night, replaying it over and over and over again, it's not concern, it's worry. If this concern of yours has you snapping at other people and maybe overreacting um, in your parenting and, and the punishment not fitting the crime, it could be that you're not concerned, but you're actually worried. If it's robbing you of peace, it's not concern, it's worry. And so to recognize things like that, we have to be in tune with ourselves. We have to think about what we think about. Have you ever been to the dentist? Anybody? Let's smile and see who's been to the dentist. Um, <laughs> If you have any major work done, they take out this needle, right? And it's kind of bendy. And isn't that a pleasant process? It's like, thank you for numbing the pain, but I am now petrified of needles because of you. And, and it, because they don't just go, bloop. Like, like when you go in to get a vaccine, it's like, pop, okay, we're done. But when you get Novocaine, the dentist comes and she's like, And you're just like, Ugh! and you're like, I can't, I can't swallow, but I also can't breathe because there's a pool building up. And they're like, oh, don't worry. We got suction for that. And then instead they just suck the side of your mouth and you're like, and so then you're like gagging and your mouth is being ripped apart. Right. And the result of that is that you become numb. So they do all this work and you're thankful for the numbness, but your terrors are not over. Before you leave, they say, I want you to be very careful and pay attention to what your mouth is doing because we have had patients that they weren't aware that they were chewing on their tongue or the inside of their cheek and they have split themselves open. They've even chewed holes into the sides of their mouths. 
And so the dentist is warning you to be hypervigilant and aware of what your mouth is doing. Well, church, let me tell you that the enemy wants you to remain numb to the idea that he's attacking you with damaging thoughts. And so we have to be hypervigilant and aware what our mind is doing, what thoughts we're thinking, so that we don't unknowingly chew a hole into the side of our soul. So what are you thinking? I need, I need um, Caitlin up here for this. She's gonna be my assistant this morning. Is she already sneak up behind me? No, she's usually good like that. I thought she would just surprise me, be like, I feel like he needs me now, you know? like that sixth sense. She rescued me a few weeks ago, so uh, she's, she's got that. Your thoughts are a lot like the soundtrack to a movie. Here's what I mean. Have you ever noticed that a movie scene without the music is a lot less impactful? Think about this. You're watching a scary movie but nothing is actually happening in the movie that's scary. But you hear this and immediately you're on edge and you're like, something is about to happen. And so finally, when that hand reaches under the door, (laughs) you jump because the music told you what you should be feeling. And so this happens in our mind as well. We start to worry about things. So she's gonna play some worrying music, right? That, that snowball effect that happens where one thing leads to another and you're like, oh my goodness, I've got so much to do. What if I run out of time? What if it turns out stupid? What if they laugh at me? What if it's not good enough? What if I can't pay my electric bill? What if I never get out of debt? What if I can't pay for my kid's tuition? They'll be stuck working at McDonald's for the rest of their life. What if they never stop lying, sneaking, stealing, disrespecting authority? Then they'll grow up with no respect or authority. They'll end up in jail or living in a van down by the river. See how that works? And then there's other thoughts that lead to very strong emotions like depression or hopelessness where we start to just have this inner dialogue that says things like, nothing ever turns out how I hoped. I'll just mess it up again, I know it. I'm just gonna fail, so why should I even try? I've thought that one before. Expect disappointment, then you'll never be disappointed. Nobody cares about me, I'm all alone. No one would miss me if I was gone. There's no point to my life. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. I think I'll go eat worms. Now, how do you guys feel right now? You feel great? Is this an uplifting message for you? Because what you have right now is you have words and music that are invoking certain feelings in your mind. And our thoughts work the same way. They tell us what to believe and how to feel about what is happening to us. And I wanna challenge you today, and we're gonna have an opportunity to do this uh, later, to take inventory, do a thought audit of the thoughts that are robbing you of peace and pulling you into a direction that you don't want your life to go in. 
And I want to challenge you that throughout the week, when you recognize those things, journal them, write them down, and then change the song. For Scripture says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And so you can start by just praying and saying, Father, Father, here are the things that I'm facing, but I know that you're bigger. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I have hope in you that is an anchor in the midst of the storm, for you not, are not a man that you should lie. And when I wait upon you, you renew my strength. Thank you for the good things you have blessed me with. Thank you for the favor you have shown me, even in the midst of trials. Thank you for the things that all things work together for good, that you're bringing beauty from this pain. And do you see the power in that? Let's give it up for uh, Caitlin. That was beautiful. But understand that there's so much more than positive thoughts. This is the inspired word of God. And by thinking on these things, they're penetrating us to our core. They're permeating our soul. And eventually it comes to the point where strongholds are torn down and freedom is released and the Holy Spirit is able to flow in us and through us. But here's the thing. You cannot change what you are unwilling to confront. Number two, we have to confront the lie. We have to confront the lie. And so he says, pray about what? Everything. Pray about everything. And so when it comes to our minds, we must become extremely confrontational. Um, how many of you are confrontational by nature with other people? Okay, avoid those people with their hands raised. I'm just kidding. Right? How many of you are anti-confrontational? Like you will run and hide rather than have an awkward conversation. Okay, so we have two extremes in the room. So what we're gonna do is everybody with their hand, who raised their hand first, it's confrontational. I want you to move to a table with non-confrontational people. I'm just kidding. And then we're just gonna like see what happens. It's gonna be really fun. Um, we do, we need to be extremely confrontational. What I mean by that is we don't give a single unhealthy thought any freedom to roam about in our mind. You know, have you ever heard that saying, like, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile? That's our enemy, and that's our thoughts. If you give an inch to negative thoughts, their goal is to take a mile, is to overcome the real estate. Man, I tell you what, Carissa's got this beautiful illustration. She uses it reset, and she puts it on the screen that just kind of shows uh, our, the, uh, this inner circle of our soul, and it starts to fill up with black. And those are the things that they clog up um, the, the, the bridge between uh, spirit and body. And it, and it has an impact on both the spirit and the body. And so those things have to be removed. And so what happens is when we see that, we recognize that thing in our life that's getting in the way, that's raising itself up above God, we attack it right away. We say, no, 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 no. You might be a, just a simple thing. You might just be a little thing. I'm only gossiping a little bit about my fellow church members, right? Or... Um, 
you know, I only had like a small lustful thought about that person. Um, I only had, a, you know, a little bit of anger towards that person. And we, we excuse those things. We say it could be worse. And so what happens is we let them remain there unchallenged. Naturally, what's going to happen is they're going to gain strength. <laughs> they're going to take more territory. And so we have to be hypervigilant and very aggressive and confrontational when it comes to those thoughts in our mind. Take them all before the Lord. Pray about everything and worry about absolutely nothing. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, Paul explains it this way. And I love this passage because I always used to think that it was literally just like, hey, this is how you overcome the war in your mind. But it's so much more than that. What's happening here is he's addressing people, false teachers in the church that are wanting to pull him into a different kind of war. You ever have that argumentative person that's just trying to bait you or offend you because they thrive on conflict and they wanna argue with you, they wanna fight? And so they're talking smack about Paul. And they're like, oh, he speaks so boldly in his letters, but let him come here face to face and tell us we're wrong. And this is what he comes back with. He says, look, um, I, I feel like his attitude is like, if I wanted to come knock you around, I would. But I know that's not the right battle. My battles are far differently. And this is what he says in uh, verse 3. Oh, I got to pull it up. I thought I had it in my notes. I'll read it on the screen with you guys. We are human, but, everybody say but. You can't say but in church. Okay, sorry. We don't wage war as humans do. One day I'll grow up. Next verse. Oh, actually, let's pause there. We don't wage war as humans do. Craig Rochelle says in his book, and I do recommend this book, Winning the War in Your Mind is called. He says the problem is that many Christians don't wage war at all. Let me say that again. Many Christians don't wage war at all. Satan is assaulting us with evil. He's delivering blows of deception and bombarding us with lies. But we can be oblivious to the attacks. And when we fail to confront wrong thinking, we fail to confront Satan himself. I think I better say that one more time. When we fail to confront wrong thinking, we are failing to confront Satan himself. We need to stop living as if we are at the mercy of our thoughts. You're thinking the thoughts. So you have the power to think different thoughts. You choose whether you will come into agreement with those thoughts or not. And so he goes on to say in verse 4, he says, We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down. Knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Why am I saying it with so much emphasis? Because this is a very intentional imagery here. That what Paul's describing is not, a, not, not as passively trying not to think bad thoughts. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Like, <laughs> Right, that's what my kids do. Right? But instead, this is an aggressive assault on those thoughts that keep us from becoming who God wants us to be. We don't go around strongholds and avoid them, but we go through them. We knock them down. We weren't meant to tiptoe through life avoiding things that trigger us, 
But we were meant to come at those lies and combat them. We don't ignore false arguments, but we destroy them. You see the violence in that description. And that is an attitude that says, no, I'm not putting up with these thoughts running free, unchallenged in my mind. Have you ever heard somebody say, I am sick and tired? And then if they're really upset, they say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. What that usually means is I am so fed up with this situation, I'm so fed up with this person that I can't deal with it anymore. My wife says something, she says, I am over it. That's when you know things are bad. I'm like, come here, babe, you need a hug. We're just gonna pray. She says, I'm over it. It's like, okay, like this is serious, right? Because what that means is just like, I feel like I can't fight anymore. But what that usually means is that we're fighting the wrong battle. And instead of saying, I'm sick and tired over these circumstances and these situations, there has to be an attitude that rises up within us that says, I'm sick and tired of thinking these thoughts. I'm sick and tired of letting these thoughts run around and wreak havoc on my mind and cause me to worry and lose sleep. And it's affecting my bodily well-being because they're running rampant, unchallenged in my mind. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm putting my foot down and I'm changing the way that I think. And Paul would not challenge us in such an aggressive way if it was not within our power and through the Holy Spirit, within our ability to do so to take authority over those things and to, to change the way we think. So don't stand for it, church. Rise up against it. Aggressively attack it. And Paul shows us that we have weapons that don't just defend us, uh, but we use to fight back. And it's the sword of the spirit, right? And you talk about the full armor of God. Marty was bringing that up in prayer this morning too. Uh, that we have like the shield of faith that extinguishes every single arrow, right? But the last thing he says is you have the sword of the spirit. That's an offensive weapon. And he goes on to say in verse five, he says, we destroy every proud obstacle that, that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So he's saying to these people, like you're causing problems in the church, but we're not gonna come at you in physical force. We're gonna challenge your thinking. We're gonna challenge the lies and we're gonna expose them with the truth because that's where the real battle is won. Number three, again, you cannot change what you confront. Number three is replace with truth. Replace the lie with the truth. I wanna invite the worship team to come as we wrap this up. It's not enough to just try to stop thinking about something. Um, when you empty a box out, for instance, of, of junk, let's say you're decluttering and you have one of those uh, totes or those bins and you're like getting rid of it now you have all this extra space and so you want to put something else uh, back into it and this is how our our minds work that we don't clear space just to leave it vacant because eventually something's going to find its way in there again and so we want to fill it with something valuable we want to fill it with something we want otherwise we just keep creating new spaces to collect junk and this is how our minds work as well, that when we remove the lies, we need to replace them with the truth. And so he says in verse 8, fix your thoughts, 
think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And he has this whole list because he doesn't want us to run out of good things to think about. He doesn't want us to run out of things to fill our minds with because he understands that an empty mind will eventually become occupied with lies. But a full mind that is full in truth and full of God's word, full of the good things of God, focused on the right things, there simply won't be room for the lies. Have you ever put something um, or seen somebody put something away in the wrong place? Like your kids are putting away the dishes and it's like, um, it's, it's all organized, right? It's like plates here, bowls here, cups here, and there's a fork. And you're just like, what the heck? That is not where that goes. If you would have took the time just one second to see what goes there, you would not have put the fork with the plates. Some parents are like, you're healing me, Joe. I thought it was just me. So what happens is when we fill ourselves up with the truth that when a lie comes along, it's like, ah, that doesn't belong there. That doesn't go there. And it becomes easier to identify any thought that is out of place when you fill your mind with what belongs there, the truth of God's word. That's not in my notes. Holy Spirit just downloaded that right there. Hope you wrote that down. Here's an example. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So I read that because in this verse, fear and timidity is the lie. In other words, any believer, any follower of Christ that walks around in fear and timidity is believing a lie. The truth is power, love, and self-discipline. And so the process is taking the lie, replacing it with the truth. Craig Rochelle in his book also says this. He says, if Satan's primary weapon is lies, and it is, the only time Satan is referred to as a father is when he's called the father of lies. What that tells me is that he fathered lies, that he invented lying. And if we recognize that about our enemy, how hyper aware should we be of what we're filling our minds with? Is it true or is it a lie? And so he says, if his primary weapons is lies, then our greatest counter weapon is the truth of God's word. Jesus demonstrated this for us. He's fasting for 40 days, which is insane. I can't even imagine that. Haven't made it that far yet. And the devil comes to tempt him when his body is at its weakest. So what is he gonna do? Is he gonna use his own willpower to overcome temptation? Um, is he just gonna use his intellect? Um, is he going to use his physical strength to just run away? All he's got left is to lean on the spirit of God that is within him, right? And this is how he chooses to defend himself. In Matthew 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, During that time the devil came and said to him, Jesus, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. So not only did Satan tempt him with he, when he was weak, but he tempted him with something he needed and something that he desperately wanted in that moment. And so what's he going to do? He says, no, 
the scriptures say. Some of you just need to get that as a pattern of thinking in your life. No, the scriptures say as your default response. No, because the scriptures say, and he says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's here's what happens. We do an audit. We recognize that we're thinking an improper thought. Then we make the decision that we're gonna confront it. Even if it seemed true to you your entire life and you failed to confront it before, you say, this is what I do. No, the scriptures say I confront the lie instead of letting it roam free in your mind. And then finally, we replace it with truth. Not just stop thinking about it, but fill the void with truth. Because here's the deal. Things happen to us. Good things and bad things. Circumstances are sometimes in our favor and sometimes it feels like the world is against us. But in everything that happens to us, there are two voices telling us how to interpret them. There's the voice of the enemy that says, this means God doesn't care about you. This means that nobody loves you. This means that you can't trust men. This means that... um, Women are weak. These are some of the things that we talked about in the retreat. But there's another voice, the voice of God that's saying, no, 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 no. What this means is this is an opportunity for you to lean on me. This is an opportunity for you to lean on me for strength. This is an opportunity for you to trust in my word through difficult times so that every other storm that comes in the future, not only will you be able to endure that, but you're going to lead other people into freedom as well. So it comes down to, what are you gonna come into agreement with? What the enemy's telling me the situation means or what God's word says about the situation? Perfect example is found in Judges chapter six, verses 11 and 12. This is about a man named Gideon. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Ebezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So he's in a pit. Anybody ever been in a pit before emotionally? You feel like you're just in a pit. You just want to hide. You don't even want to talk to anybody because you don't want them to know what's going on because you don't want to have to talk about it. You don't have to confront those things. And this is where he found himself on multiple levels, emotional and physical, right? And it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. That was the truth that he needed to know. The lie was that because we've been oppressed by these evil people called the Midianites for my entire life, and that's all I've ever known, uh, the lie was if, if they get, anytime I get anything in life, they're gonna take it from me. And so um, the only way I can do it is be in this pit. The lie is I will always be under the oppression of this enemy. And that's the same lie the enemy tries to get us to believe today too. You will always be under my oppression. You will always be victim to your own thoughts. You will always suffer at the mercy of the things that happen to you and the way you interpret them. But the angel of the Lord spoke to Gideon 
And he said, you are a mighty hero, not because of anything you've done. You're hiding in a pit like a chicken, but because that's who I have created you to be. And my truth trumps your circumstances and your understanding and interpretation of those circumstances. And the most important truth that he had to give him was that the Lord is with him. Because everything he'd experienced had told him, God is absent. I mean, you know, sometimes when you're going through the worst parts of life, God feels far away. But the angel of the Lord did not lie. The Lord is with you. He's been with you the whole time. Just because he hasn't put a stop to everything you're facing doesn't mean you're facing it alone. And in that recognition, Gideon slowly becomes in agreement with that voice. And as a result, it's one of the most fascinating stories in the Old Testament. God takes his army that he's leading of tens of thousands. He whittles it down to just 300 men that are not afraid but trust in God. And they end up completely obliterating an army full of tens of thousands because he came into agreement with the right voice. You may be in here this morning swimming in a sea of negative thoughts and emotions, overwhelmed by the noise of the enemy's voice. But I wanna tell you today that there's another voice calling out to you. Don't dismiss it, but respond to the invitation and come into agreement with it. Would you bow your heads with me? Before we pray and give you an opportunity to respond, I just wanna give an invitation. Maybe you're in the room today and you don't personally know this Jesus that we're talking about, this God that we're talking about, but everything that we're teaching about the mind and the battle that goes on, it's making sense to you. And it's revealing a lot of things about yourself that you didn't understand before. But you gotta understand that the first step, if you truly wanna experience this freedom, it's gotta move beyond looking in the mirror and saying, you're smart, you're good looking, and doggone it, people like you. And to a point where you come into relationship with this God who says these things about you. And you trust in him for your salvation, for your forgiveness, that he'll take all the bad things you've done, wipe them away because of the sacrifice he's made on the cross. And you'll step into a relationship with him. He will give you his Holy Spirit to live inside of you and he'll empower you to walk out these truths. If you're in the room today and you, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus like that, but you want to, would you just lift your hand up with everyone's eyes closed today? Because I wanna pray a prayer for you to receive salvation, for you to step into a relationship with the living God. Anybody in the room, just quickly lift up your hand. Amen. I see a couple hands. Anybody else? Praise God, church. Will you help them out by repeating this prayer after me? And I want you who raised your hand to repeat this prayer after me. And you do it in faith, make it your own. And the spirit of God is gonna come upon you. He's gonna make his home in your heart. Your sins will be wiped away and you will step into a new life in Jesus. So go ahead, everybody in the room, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father God, thank you for loving me in spite of all of my sin and wrongdoing in spite of all of my mistakes. Thank you for loving me enough to send your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sin. 
and to make me clean. And I'm inviting you into my life to be the Lord of my life. I ask your Holy Spirit to come and live inside of me and empower me to live a life of freedom, the life that you paid for on the cross for me. And I choose to live for you now from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If that's you and you're not too ashamed and, and you're willing to say, I prayed that prayer with everyone looking, would you raise your hand again so we can celebrate with you? You don't have to be ashamed. Amen. Right there in the back. Can we just clap? Praise God. Thank you so much. We are so excited for you. I would love a chance to meet anybody that prayed that prayer today. I'd love to have a chance to talk with you afterwards. Um, I can get a Bible and put it in your hands and let you know kind of what's next for you. But at this time, I want to invite everyone else to stay seated for now. But the team's going to kind of take it down a little bit. And I just want us to spend a few minutes. It's only 1138. We're good on time, right? Can we take a few minutes to perform a thought audit like we talked earlier? I just want us to be prayerful at our tables and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and identify to you things that you've been thinking or believing and holding on to that you need to let go of because he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to be bound. He doesn't want you to be trapped in a prison in your own mind. So we're gonna take a few moments to just ask God to reveal those to us so that we can confront them and replace them with truth. And then I'll lead us into a time of prayer, okay? So let's take a few moments right now just bow your heads at your table. Actually, if you wanted to give up and move, you could too. If you want to find a dark corner or something, we're going to take a few moments just to pray and ask God to reveal those thoughts that need to go. Amen? Let's do that.
so powerful and as we're closing the service out we're going to transition to a time of giving so as you guys prepare to give I just want to make you aware of some things that we have happening at the Fountain of Life coming up if you saw in the lobby we have another box out there this time for candy donations for the Fall Fest happening at Scholars Academy so bring that candy in we're accepting it all the way up until the 28th and it's gonna, Fall Fest is gonna be great and we'll have more information on that to come. The next thing I have for you guys is on October 1st, we are having an open mic night right here in the, in the church or maybe outside if it's cool enough. But it's gonna be really awesome. We encourage you to go sign up in the app. If you wanna know how to get to the app, there's a QR code on your table and you can scan it and it, you can get to the app and get to signups there. I just wanted, and then as we transition into giving, I wanted to inform you of the three ways to give. We have um, our mail-in, if we can get that, so that people can see the address. Or we have buckets in the back on your way out. You might see them on the silver tables on your way out. We also have um, online giving, again with that QR code. It takes you right to our app. You can give from there. Oh, there it is. There's our... Um, address that you guys can also mail in your offerings to. But as we prepare to give right now, I'm just going to go ahead and pray, and you guys are dismissed. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for what you're doing here at Fountain of Life Church, God. And I pray right now that you would just bless the offering, you would bless those who give, God, and that you would be with us through our week. In Jesus' name, amen.